Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Beautiful Mother's Day. We want to take the time to turn the spotlight on Terah and begin to look at what set her apart. Look at her faith. Look at her qualities. Look at how she endured the challenges of having to wait for a promise for over 25 years before she was finally able to embrace the child of promise. The qualities that set her apart, we'll be looking at some of those things and see what, you know, what made Sarah who Sarah was. In Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse number one, the Bible tells us, now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country and from your family. I'm from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife. And Lot, his brother's son, and all of their possession that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land of the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. In the passage of scripture, I want to call your attention to just one or two things in the scripture. The first thing I want you to notice is that the call and the promise that was that we're talking about here, the call and the promise that the Lord Almighty spoke here, was spoken directly unto Abraham. In other words, Sarah was not there. Abraham was the one that received this particular call. By the time you know, the second thing I want you to notice is that when God spoke, when God spoke, God did not speak to Sarah. God spoke to Abraham. Sarah had no idea that, that Abraham had, had encountered the Almighty God, that he had received the call to leave his home, that he had received the promise. The only time that Sarah found out about this was when Abraham eventually came home and told her about it. And that's how she finally knew. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 51, if you read that verse 51 verse 2, the Bible says, Look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bore you, for I called him alone. I called him alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. Sarah had no idea that God had called Abraham. Sarah had no idea what God planned, planned for Abraham. The third thing I want you to notice is that despite the fact that Sarah had no idea that Abraham had received an instruction from the Almighty God, when Abraham eventually told her, what did Sarah do? The Bible says Sarah followed Abraham. Even though she did not directly receive an instruction from the Almighty God to get out of their place and to move to a place that is unknown, she went along with the plan. She followed Abraham. 
She followed Abraham even when she did not know how long the journey was going to be or what the future has in store for them. I, mean, I don't know whether you have ever wondered why Sarah followed Abraham. Why would a woman leave the comfort of her home, comfort of her family and friends and where she's actually settled and now begin to go on an adventure with a guy who doesn't even know where he's going? Why would Sarah follow Abraham on a journey to the promised land? Why would she do that? The Bible did not explicitly tell us, but we can infer from culture and from all the traditions in the scripture, we can infer why Sarah will follow Abraham. Let me suggest to you, number one, that Sarah followed Abraham because, number one, of the love and support that she had for Abraham. The Bible tells the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, it said that even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, but basically what it's saying that Sarah obeyed Abraham. In other words, Abraham said, let's go, and Sarah said, okay, let's go. Sarah followed, maybe because she loved and supported Abraham. Number two, Sarah probably followed because of her commitment and faithfulness to Abraham. At that time and culture, it was not strange that whatever the man requires, the woman will follow. So it was a requirement. There's love and there's commitment and there's faithfulness to the marriage. And that might be the reason why Sarah followed. Number three, Sarah must have followed, you know, not just because of the love and support, not just because of the commitment and the faithfulness that he had to the marriage, but I am convinced that she followed because Sarah was convinced in the faithfulness of the God that made the promise to Abraham. And how do I know that? Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 11, the Bible tells us that by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past the age. Because, look at that part of the version. He said, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And then number four, and most importantly in my point of view, Sarah followed Abraham not only because of the faithfulness of God who made the promise, but because of the promise itself. The Bible says she judged him faithful who made the promise. In other words, she followed because the promise of God was too good to let go. She followed because it was too good to ignore. She followed because she, I mean, this is a promise that was too good. It was unheard of before. And Sarah said, I cannot let this go. And the question is, what is this promise? Many of us who have studied scripture, we know. What is the promise that God, that God gave, that God Sarah to leave the comfort of her family and friends and her loved ones and follow Abraham into the wilderness? What was that particular promise? The promise, we find in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse number 7, the Bible says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendant I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared unto him. And by the time you get to chapter 18, in reading from verse number 10, you see the promise again. The promise said, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. In other words, the promise that moved Sarah from the comfort of her family and her loved ones was the promise of a child. The promise of the child. The promise of the seed of Abraham. That was what moved it. Sarah followed Abraham not just because she loved him, not just because she supported him, not just because she was faithful to him. Abraham, Sarah followed Abraham because she believed the God that made the promise and she believed the promise. And how, like I said, how do I know? You read the book of Hebrews. The Bible says Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and she bought a seed when she was past eight because she judged him faithful who promised. She knew God will not lie. If Abraham had seen the Lord, if Abraham had received the covenant from God, received the promise from the Almighty God, he, he, she knew that God was faithful. And please understand, these were a couple that were old. 
The Bible said he got the call at 75 years old. These were old people. Okay, they were advanced in age. Menopause has kicked in. There is nothing like having children anymore. All of a sudden you say, God said, come. And then we are going to have children. We are going to be really famous and have a lot of children. Who is going to pass that one off? Nobody will do that. They were advanced in age. Now the promise of God came saying that they are going to have children. Sarah must have figured it out. That the core of the promise of God was that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. Sarah understood that without, you know, Abraham cannot be the father of many nations without having children. And so she followed him, knowing that when God eventually fulfilled that promise, she will have a child. That was her own calculation. That was what Sarah figured out. But one of the things about the scripture is this. It is one thing that you are figuring out your own way, and God is doing a different calculation. One of the things that Sarah did not figure out, one of the things that Sarah did not understand, one of the things that she did not understand about the calculation that she was doing was that the promise of God was going to challenge her faith. She did not figure that one out. The Bible says, until the word of God came, the word of the Lord tested him. That is talking about Joseph. But here in the case of Sarah, Sarah thought that, yeah, we'll be rich, we'll be famous, and we'll have a lot of kids. That calculation forgot the fact that their, her faith will be tested and challenged. Sarah did not understand that before the promise of God manifests, her faith will go through a process of refinement. Her faith will go through a process of purification. Her perfect will go through a process of maturation. She did not realize that. And so she went on the journey. Sarah forgot to understand, or did not understand, that before she can embrace the promise of God, because she can embrace the child of promise, her faith will go through a very, very, very lengthy period of waiting. She did not realize that. She did not understand that. And so, and as Sarah went through the waiting season, Sarah had to learn how to survive the waiting season if she hoped to see the promise of the promised child. If Sarah ever expected to embrace her own Isaac, she was going to have to wait or endure or survive the waiting period. The question this morning is how did Sarah survive that waiting period? That is what we are dealing with this morning. To understand how Sarah survived the waiting period, you must understand what the waiting season, the waiting period, what it is. What does it mean to wait? To wait means to stay where you are. To wait means to remain in place and in readiness and in expectation of what is coming. So when we talk about the waiting season, we're not talking about the period of idleness. We're not talking about the period where you just sit around and drink pinacolada and do nothing. That's not what we're talking about. The waiting period we're talking about is a season when you remain in place. When you remain in place in readiness. When you remain in expectation of what the Lord is about to do. When we talk about the waiting period, we're talking about a period when you equip yourself for the next thing, for the next move, for the next phase of your life. The waiting period is the period when you build up your capacity, when you build up your own strength to be able to take advantage of what God has to bring for you or the opportunities that will be presented to you. The waiting period is a period of walking. It's a period of investment. It's a period of exerting yourself. It's a period of making sure that you are fully ready to take advantage of what the Lord has in store for you. The Bible tells us about John the Baptist. He said the boy was in the wilderness until the day of his showing. What was he doing in the wilderness? He was waiting for the day of his showing. So you see, my brothers and sisters, what happened in your waiting period? 
What might happen in your waiting season determines what will happen in your harvest. In other words, how you use your waiting season will determine if you will be able to take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to you in the day of your visitation. Opportunity is a function of your preparation. And your preparation is best done in the time of waiting. If you are beginning to prepare when the opportunity shows itself, you are already too late. You are already too late. So the question this morning is, how did Sarah prepare? How did Sarah utilize? How did she survive her season of waiting? One thing I want you to understand is that all things in life, there is a good way to prepare and there is a bad way to prepare. There is a good way to go through your waiting season and there is a bad way to go through your waiting season. You can go through your waiting season by being angry and bitter. And there are a lot of people who are angry and bitter because they have not seen the promise of God fulfilled. Because they have not seen the manifestation of what God has said concerning their life. They get angry and they get bitter. Especially when they see some other people enjoying what they have been praying for. They get very angry and bitter. You can go through your waiting period like that. Being angry and bitter. You can go through your waiting period being patient. You are standing and you are saying, Lord, do this, do this, do this right now. Whereby you go through it without taking the time to learn the lesson that God wants you to learn. Or go through the period of maturation that God wants you to go through in season of waiting. Or you can wait productively. You can wait productively. You can wait by engaging life. Making sure that you are not giving up opportunity. Jesus Christ said, I go to my father and I prepare a place for you. He said, I will come back and take you. But meanwhile, occupy till I come. In other words, get productive. Get active. Be engaged. Be involved. You can do that while you are waiting. There are things that will take you to where you are going. There are things that will not help you get to where you are going. If you are waiting, you focus on that idea. You do not get yourself involved in things that will be working against you. The Bible makes us to understand that there were five wise virgins and five uh, foolish virgins. Bible says that there were some of them who were waiting productively. They had all the necessary equipment. They had all the necessary resources. And they were watching out. And they were focused on the reason why they came to see the bridegroom. The other ones were just plain stupid. They did not come with any supplies. And they decided to they just go and take a nap when everybody was sleeping, they also slept off. By the time the surprise boom came, what happened? Because they were not prepared, because they were not engaged, because they were not ready, they lost out of the very reason why they were waiting in the first place. So you can wait with attention and focus. You can also wait with care and character. You can wait with confidence and faith in the Almighty God. But most importantly, you can wait in anticipation. God has said that his word will not go without being fulfilled. If he made a promise to you, you believe it. And if you believe it and you are waiting for the period of the manifestation of that promise, you do so in hope, you do so in anticipation. You don't do so suddenly looking as if uh, somebody just died and uh, you know they were left without an inheritance. You don't do that. It shows that you believe in the Almighty God. That is how you wait. When you show your anticipation, when you show your hope, number one, you frustrate the devil. Number two, you make the heavens happy. How you wait, how you operate, how you survive, how you go through your season of waiting is your own decision. It's a choice. You can go through it uh, believing that God will answer you with anticipation or you can go through it and say, well, you will do it, you will do it. What will be, will be. It's a choice. I want you to understand that it is very, very dangerous for us if we do not know how to wait correctly. It's very dangerous for you. Because one of the things you understand is that you will not even get the promise if you don't take time. 
If you have a very nasty attitude while you are waiting, you may not get the promise. You may lose an opportunity. But one thing I want you to understand is that when waiting is done poorly, when you don't know how to wait in the presence of the Almighty God for His promises, one thing I can bet you that happened to Sarah will happen to you. The first thing is that you are going to try to help God or you are going to try to play God. Bible told us that Sarah knew that God was going to make Abraham the father of many nations. And Sarah, in her own mind, started calculating. How is God going to do this thing? She said, he's going to give us a child. Okay, fine. This woman, this girl, there's Hagar in the house. If she has a son by Abraham, it's a son. A son is a son. Because, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the whole story. And what happened? If you read Genesis chapter 16, reading from verse number 2, the Bible says, And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. In other words, Sarah started playing God. When you don't know how to wait, when you are not patient in the presence of the Almighty God, when you are trying to get this thing done quickly or you have resigned to faith or you believe that God will never hear your prayer again, you start playing God or you start trying to help God. When waiting is not done properly, number two, you start trying to manipulate the situation, which was what Sarah was doing. Was trying to manipulate the situation so that she thinks she can get some kind of good. You start settling for the second best. That's what happened here. The Lord has said that it's going to be Sarah and the promised child will come through Sarah. And now because Sarah felt that she's been delayed, this thing is taking too long. I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm going to take whatever comes out of my servant, Hagar. Number three, you start settling for the second best. Number four, you start trying to influence the process. And if all those things don't work, you will now go into the next mode, which is the mode of bitterness, anger, and hostility. Look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 6. The Bible says, But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it please thee. Then when Sarah dealt hardly with her, the woman took off. The point I'm making is that when you don't know how to wait in the presence of your magical for his promises, there is a very strong tendency that you will get frustrated. There is a strong tendency that that frustration will lead to bitterness. And the bitterness will lead to anger. And when the anger now festers long enough, it will now lead to hostility. Hostility to the people who are around you. Hostility to the people who the Lord has positioned to be able to take you to where you're supposed to go. When waiting is done poorly, a lot of bad things happen. Not only that, when waiting is done poorly, you will lose hope. And when you lose hope, you retrieve and you stop living. People just resign and they say, no, there's no hope in life. Why do I mean? Why should I continue? I have prayed, I have fasted, I've looked on this, I've looked on that. God, I mean, what have I done wrong? There are people who are even worse than me. I know people who are criminal. I know people who are, who are immoral. They are getting the result. They are getting the prayer. They are getting their prayers answered. What have I done, oh God? Eh? Am I the only one? Do something for me. When you don't know how to wait for the promise of God, you start retreating. And that's why you see people begin to isolate themselves. They don't want to talk to people anymore. They don't want to interact with people anymore. They don't want to go out anymore. At any point in time, you begin to see they start cutting themselves from the people that will bless them. Because they feel that their own is finished. That God is not longer going to answer their prayer. And before you know what's happening, they stop living. And when they stop living, life comes to a standstill. But that happens when you don't know how to go through your season of waiting. That happens when you don't know how you are supposed to proceed when the heaven is silent. 
One thing I can assure you is this. No matter how long it is, God is never late. He will always do what he said he will do at the time he said he will do it and he will accomplish it at the right time. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ showed up after thousands of years that people have been waiting for him. The promise of God for you, if it is the promise of God for you, it will never go unfulfilled. I want you to take that and lash your faith to it. Sarah went through all her period of waiting the wrong way initially. She was handling her waiting season in a very wrong way. Finally, she realized that, that for her to survive her waiting season, for her to survive and get the promise of God, for her to embrace that particular child of promise, Sarah realized that she had to buy into the vision that the Lord gave unto Abraham in the first place. She had to buy into that vision. She had to support that particular vision. Number two, she knew that if she's going to be able to see the riches and the famous and the many children that God has promised, she had to love and to walk in agreements. The Bible says, can two walk together and set their agree? There has to be that agreement for them to be able to move forward, for her to be able to see the fulfillment of the promise of the Almighty God. If you read the book of the Genesis chapter 18, Reading from verse number 12, the Bible says, Therefore Sarah laughs within herself, saying, After I am what's old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also old. In other words, when the angels came and they told her, You are going to have a child, just laughed. Because the only way you can survive your season of waiting, your season of challenge, surviving the waiting period requires a little bit of fun, a little bit of a sense of humor. Sarah realized that there was still this thing called laughter. When she received that ridiculous promise from the Almighty God, Sarah called her and said, I have waxed old. Don't tell me that I'm looking young. I am old. I know. All these things are not standing the way they are supposed to be. One of the things she must realize that when life gets so tough, when you are waiting and you are not seeing the result, you live a little bit. Enjoy life a little bit. Don't tie yourself down. Don't put your life on hold. Don't live as if it's your funeral. There's more to life. And that is what Sarah is teaching us here. That for her, that's what she finally learned. That for her to survive her season of waiting, she has to learn how to live again. Learn how to have some fun. Not only that, she learned that unless she's willing to let go, God will not take control. And many of us are in that boat today. We think that we can do it by our own power. We think that we have the wisdom. We have enough technology. You can download it from Google. You can look at it here on YouTube. You can do all those things. I mean, you have all the solution in your heart. Why do you need God? And God is saying, as long as you have control of your situation, why do you need me? You don't need me. I will stand and I will watch you. And I keep telling people who are close to me, God is a perfect gentleman. If you don't invite him or give him the space, he will not intrude. And many of us are carrying the burdens of our life and we are extending our waiting period by not allowing God to be God. And Sarah realized that as soon as I allow God to be God, my waiting season will be coming to an end. And the only way you can survive your waiting season is to commit it into his hands. Commit it into his hands. Let go of that particular body. Let go of that particular challenge. Let go of that particular heartache. Those things that you think are impossible to handle, let it go and give it unto him. The Bible says, I am God. Is there anything impossible unto me? Once you let go, you give God the opportunity to step in. And when God steps in, the situation changes. Sarah realized that to survive her waiting season, she had to let go and to let go. Not only that, 
Sarah also understood that for her to be able to survive a waiting season, she must never, ever lose hope. And many people have lost hope. There is a difference between the profession of faith and the action of faith and the life of faith. Profession of faith, action of faith, life of faith. You, everything must be in agreement for God to be able to step into your situation. You must profess it. You must take the action and you must live that life. If you are believing God for something and you are making a declaration and you are taking the action, you must live the life that reflects those things that you believe what you are saying. And Sarah had to understand that she must not lose hope. That she cannot lose hope. If the promise of God is going to be fulfilled and she's going to survive this terrible time of waiting, she has to understand that you can never lose hope. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Almighty God. You cannot receive anything where you have already lost the hope. When inside of your spirit, you already believe that you have lost it. That's why Jesus Christ took us to a different level of living. And that is why we are no longer living under the law where he says something is physical. Jesus took it a step further by giving you the principle behind it and saying that if you have already thought about that, then you have already done it. Because it's called the law of double creation. What you do in your mind is more real than what you are doing physically. And that's why Jesus Christ said that whatever is done in heaven will be done on earth. It first of all must happen in the spirit for it to happen physically. If it has already happened in your mind, if you have already been defeated in your mind, if you already believe that God will not answer your prayer in your mind, you can pray until you turn whatever color black people turn to or turn blue that white people turn to, you will never get the answer. It's as simple as that. The point is that you must never lose hope inside of your spirit. Because as soon as you lose hope inside of your spirit, all your prayers are useless. And Sarah had to learn that. Sarah had to understand that. Surviving the waiting season requires that you never lose hope. And then finally, surviving. Sarah understood that surviving the waiting season requires you to trust God's faithfulness. Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Whatever God says he will do, he will do it. And you can take it to the bank. Sarah had to understand that. Sarah had to believe that. Sarah had to come to the conclusion that God himself was a faithful God. As soon as Sarah began to allow God to be God, as soon as Sarah said, okay, God, fulfill your promise, things started changing for her. The word of God came to her. And then the long-awaited child showed up. As we celebrate this Mother's Day, I want you to begin to realize that the word of God will never fall to the ground without being fulfilled. It will always do what God purposes it to do in your life and circumstances. But I want you also to take comfort in the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 51. The Bible says, Hacking unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, Look unto the rock whence ye were healed, and to the hole of the pit whence ye were dipped. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. And I want you to pay attention to verse number 3. It says, For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. The joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That is the word of God for you. No matter the amount of loss that might have come away as a result of this particular pandemic, the Lord is saying that 
The Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Zion, like Eden. Her desert like the garden of the Lord. The joy and the gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That is the promise of God today. So whatever you are waiting for, whatever you are trusting the Lord for, no matter how long that thing has been that has been has been in limbo, no matter how long that you have been sitting in that particular zone, saying, Lord, when will you hear me? When will you answer me? When will you do my own? I am here to tell you that the Lord is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. Whatever he says he will do for you, he will do it. That's why the Bible tells in the book of Psalm 30, verse 5. He said, for his anger endureth a moment. In his favor is life. He said, weeping may endure for a night. Say, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.